0: hello everyone and welcome to the open doors podcast this is episode two i am one of your regular co-hosts christopher summers executive editor here at open doors and i am joined as always by julia
1: hi julia hi christopher it's great to be here again
0: we are also joined by a special co-host today. Uh, I am super excited that we also have David Curry, president and CEO of Open Doors USA, joining us today.
2: It's nice to be with both of you. Uh, it's a real honor, and I'm excited about this subject today.
0: Yeah, thanks so much, David. So today we're going to talk a little bit about the topic that's been on everyone's mind and heart since probably March or so. Uh, namely COVID-19. And we have a little bit of a different perspective here at Open Doors because we've really seen how COVID-19 is combining with persecution to make a really unparalleled situation for Christians around the world. Um, David, in your position as head of Open Doors USA, how have you kind of seen the coronavirus pandemic merge with Christian persecution in some places around the world?
2: Just in the category of persecution over the last seven years, there's been a tremendous rise in incidents around the world in Asia and Africa and the Middle East. In every region, it's getting more difficult. So then when you consider that COVID-19 has given dictators and and uh, certain extremist cultures license or a reason, yet another reason perhaps, to attack some Christian communities, to oppress some Christian communities, you begin to understand why we see this as almost like a perfect storm where you have already a very difficult circumstance for many Christians in, in uh, regions around the world. India uh, is, is one that comes to mind. Nigeria, it's already tough there. Yeah. But then when you have the overlay of COVID-19, this is yet another way in which they could be discriminated, kept from food supplies, kept from uh, the security of medical care and these kinds of things. It just really has created a very difficult situation.
0: Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And, and we're going to dig deep into that in this episode. We were able to speak with some Open Doors partners in Bangladesh and around Southeast Asia. And that will be coming up shortly. But before we get to that, we wanted to talk a little bit about some of the news that we have seen uh, regarding uh, issues faced by persecuted Christians. So what has been something that you've seen or that's been on your heart over the last few weeks?
1: Yeah, So, Christopher, one of the stories that I wrote recently highlights the resilience and fortitude of our brothers and sisters. And it's actually what David um, was talking about, this convergence of COVID-19, along with the fact that persecution has not stopped. Persecution continues. And um, so we continue to get reports from our field about attacks against Christians, and especially in northern Nigeria. And recently in Nigeria's Kaduna state, targeted attacks have killed, unfortunately, 27 Christians over a three week period, and they, they displaced numerous believers as well. What really resonated with me was when our teams went in to assess the situation and, and the needs there, they realized that many of the Christians who had been attacked, many who had lost um, loved ones in the attacks had returned to these all but destroyed communities. And in northern Nigeria, when the extremists attack, they don't just kill. They basically raise the village. Um, they burn their their barren buildings and homes, basically trying to make um, that area not livable. So it was very surprising to our teams that so many had returned. And when our teams asked them why they were returning, the Christians, what they told us was so powerful. They said, we must return so that the jihadists will not sing a song of victory over the church of Jesus Christ. I just thought that was so powerful. And these are grieving believers who, in addition to trying to recover from these attacks, they're also facing severe food shortages because of COVID-19. And I just thought about the verse in 2 Timothy and how, they're really living witnesses of of Paul's words that God has not given us a spirit of timidity or fear, but of power, love, and discipline. So their faith in the face of so much has just really encouraged me. I wanted to share that today.
0: And Julia, all those attacks were happening in the middle of Nigeria's coronavirus lockdown, right?
1: Exactly. Persecution has not stopped. The attacks have not stopped. In fact, our, um, our Africa services team says that the, the attacks have gotten even worse um, with COVID nineteen lockdowns,
0: yeah, and I think that's a common story. That was one of the that was the thing I was going to talk about today. Is we had some uh, news out of northern Nigeria. Similarly, and this happened to a woman named Rose. Uh, she was part of a Christian village in the middle belt of Nigeria. Which, if you if you've read a lot of our uh, articles or um, you know seen some of our videos, the middle belt of Nigeria is really where there are a lot of Christian communities, and then there are uh, Fulani herders uh, that are moving down from uh, the northern Nigeria where they graze cattle. And most of these herders are peaceful. Um, you know, they've been they've been uh, working and raising livestock in the middle belts among Christians for decades. But recently, especially over the last ten years, we've seen a real uptick in militancy among. Portions of these herders. So, we've seen some extremists uh, come out of the herder communities. And Rose uh, was in one of these Christian communities and they were attacked by militants uh, from these Walani extremists. And uh, they murdered her husband and, you know, forced her. She was pregnant with her uh, third daughter at that point. And, you know, she was forced to flee with her two other daughters and just this horrible situation. And then to David's point, not only did she experience that kind of persecution but then literally days later the coronavirus lockdown happened in Nigeria and suddenly she was no longer able to work or have an income and she was completely almost hopeless because there was you know no possibility for her to feed her family you know and she told our uh, partners there in Nigeria that she was feeding her and her daughters just on mangoes uh, while she waited for relief and Her church didn't have enough money uh, and she was discriminated against because of her uh, faith. And so in the place she lived, perhaps the local leaders uh, were anti-Christian. So she was discriminated against because of her faith in Jesus from being able to access uh, basic supplies that the government uh, is providing. So, David, I, I was curious, you know, you mentioned Nigeria and India and some other places how how common have you do you think stories like Rose's are uh, as we face the COVID-19 pandemic this year? Well,
2: Christopher, when I first of all, when I hear you tell Rose's story, it it just resonates with me. This is why we care so much because when you hear the numbers, I mean right now just to begin, we th- we know there's 15,000 Christian families that need help like Rose. But numbers like that are just so intimidating. We're also helping, I think, 100,000 people already in in Asia with COVID response. It's intimidating, but the, the personal part of it is, is stories like Rose, so that, that touches me. We're not an aid agency, first of all. What we're there to do is to walk alongside people like Rose. We don't want uh, people to have to leave their home, leave their country to practice their faith. And people like Rose, they don't want to. They wanna be safe where they're at, have the freedom to practice their faith privately. But the reality is there's a lot of people like Rose. The story, the details might change, but there's just a ton of people who are in the crosshairs of COVID-19 and a system or a culture which persecutes them because they've decided to follow Jesus. And while we can't stop that persecution in many places, uh, we want to make sure we advocate care, lift them up in prayer. And when we have a chance, and thank God we do have a chance, it's not easy, but we have a chance to get them food, supplies. And and that's why we're stepping up to try to help these people to survive.
0: So with that on our minds, I want to turn now to interviews. Uh, We were able to talk with Open Doors partners in Bangladesh. Uh, the, our Open Doors partner there, uh, he works with a partner organization in Bangladesh. His name is Abraham, and they were also able to speak with another Open Doors partner in uh, located in Southeast Asia, and his name is Sam. And I'm really excited to bring you these firsthand accounts. Uh, both these men have been able to travel um, in their areas and really see firsthand the impact of persecution in the midst of uh, COVID-19. And then in the case of Bangladesh, there was actually a cyclone that hit shortly before we recorded these interviews. So you'll hear uh, both brothers talk a little bit about that as well and what Open Doors is trying to do uh, to help uh, people impacted by the cyclone in Bangladesh. So uh, with that, we'll turn it over to uh, discussion with Abraham and Sam. Hello, I am joined today by Brother Abraham, who leads a partner organization of Open Doors in Bangladesh. Uh, Abraham, thank you so much for joining us today. You are most welcome. It's my privilege. We are also here with Brother Sam. Uh, Sam, could you explain your role as an Open Doors partner?
3: Yes, uh, my name is Sam and I'm based in Southeast Asia. Uh, I'm a partner with Open Doors uh, for several years now. And we have been uh, serving the persecuted Christians in about seven countries in our region. And uh, we are doing that work basically to help the persecuted Christians to grow in their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ.
0: Just out of curiosity, what has been the situation uh, with COVID-19 in Southeast Asia that you've seen?
3: COVID-19 has been a difficult time uh, for all the countries in our region, especially uh, countries like Bangladesh and Indonesia, the infection of COVID-19 keeps increasing. Even yesterday, we had more than two thousand five hundred cases in Bangladesh mm-hmm. and about thousand six hundred cases, new cases in Indonesia. And but however, the the countries have been locked down for almost four months now. But due to the economical crisis and people are going out of jobs, the governments are slowly opening up industries and uh, uh, trying to help people survive during this difficult situation. There were quite a number of people affected, including some Christians, by the disease. But I think more than that is the lockdown has really affected people. Because most of the people in this region are basically daily wage earners or farmers. And due to lockdown, they were not able to get any job. They could not get even uh, food for to feed their own families because most of the daily wage earners they get their food just uh, they get the salary just for the days expenditure and the last four months has been a very difficult time for most of the families especially uh, even for the persecuted christians whom we serve
0: abraham sam mentioned a situation in bangladesh where there have been so many cases can you tell us a little bit more about that
4: bangladesh is a small country uh, with 164 million people, and 90% people are Muslim, and less than one percent are Christians. And because of COVID-19, whole country uh, are affected, uh, especially financially, uh, because uh, since uh, last week of March, country is completely locked down. And no traveling, no work for many people. Many people lost their job, and especially Christians. uh, As you know, that is a a poor country or developing country. Uh, Christians are from different background. They are also living under the poverty level. Some Christians are by birth Christian, uh, especially Catholics Christian, and also. Protestant Christians, some of them are doing well, but Christians in the provinces, they are having more difficulties because uh, their daily labor. Most of them are daily labor. Even inside the city, some city areas, some of them are rickshaw pullers. So they earn for a day.
0: Mm -hmm. Whatever they
4: earn is enough for the day.
0: Has the, has the government been uh, assisting Christians in some of the places that you serve?
3: Governments are giving uh, assistance to a lot of people. But what happens is we, we realize in the when you go to the field, we realize that uh, many Christians, especially those who come from the Muslim background or from the Buddhist background, they are not able to receive the support. Because when it goes to the villages... The village head normally discriminate the Christians, and uh, they say, "Well, you Christians, you became a Christian, so you are not part of this support." So that's one of the big challenge many Christians are facing in the rural
0: and uh, rural areas. Is there a specific story you could share um, from one of the countries you work in like that?
3: Well, uh, I can share a few stories, but uh, what I will say is that this is one. One area in southern Philippines uh, where we work with some uh, MBBs, and uh, the girl go- the the villagers, the village received aid from the government, but this family, this particular family, was not given the aid. And uh, when our Christian brothers went to give the support, the village had really wanted to attack our uh, our people, as well as to. Tell the families in the village that because they became Christians, all this pandemic has come, and uh, and they were really uh, chased out of the village. In fact, uh, just about it happened about three weeks ago. This kind of situation happens all the time.
0: And Abraham, what about specifically in Bangladesh? What's happening there that you can tell us? One of the uh, cases I, I'll share with you.
4: Uh, one of the participants of uh, our women discipleship program we have a women discipleship program for mbbs so one of the participants her name is uh, selina uh, she completed the course and also replicating the same course in her areas and uh, she has two young children and mother in law who is very elderly and half paralyzed. Husband left her. Husband is not faithful. And she had a small business, uh, selling some uh, cosmetics uh, to support the family and provide food for the children and elderly mother-in-law. So when COVID-19 lockdown started in March, and she had to stop the business Although it's a province, but people are not coming because people don't have money to buy. So she had to stop. And when she stopped her business, she didn't have anything to eat. So suddenly she got that news that one area near near, uh, her home, government is distributing some relief goods, daily needs. So she requested one guy to... Put her name on the list and uh, she got that news that uh, they put her name on the list. But following day, when she went there to receive the aids from that agent or government agent, and she found that someone cut off her name from the list because she's a Christian. She Christian from Muslim background. So, previous night, children didn't eat anything. Mother-in-law did not eat anything. So, what to do? Then she made a call to us. Country was totally locked down. Then she shared with us. Immediately immediately we tried to help. Because uh, it's also difficult to help because everything is locked down. Shops are closed. Then we requested our supervisor in the field, if he can buy things and give it to her. And he found that everything was closed and he cannot go there even. And he is totally locked down.
0: What are some other ways that you've seen or heard where persecution has been combined with the coronavirus pandemic to make things even harder for persecuted Christians?
3: There are a lot of stories on this. One of the things is I would say that uh, uh, in uh, one part of East Malaysia, where we have been serving among the schools, uh, high school students, and we could not meet. Well, all the high school students went back to their homes during the lockdown, and we could not connect with them because they don't have any internet service in their uh, villages. These villages are very far. It's almost about four hours of boat ride, and then another two hours of uh, walking through the jungle to these villages. So two weeks ago, when the government release. Uh, uh, transportation within the region, our people went to visit these uh, uh, young people to encourage them. They carried a lot of food items with them. When they went there, they found out that some of these Christians are even converted to Islam. Hmm. Because in their villages, the only place where they could get food supply was from a mosque. So when they went to the mosque to get a food supply and uh, they were asked to convert back to Islam. So that was one sad story which happened uh, in our place. And now our team is talking to these friends and trying to bring them back to Christ. And, uh, this, this kind of things happen because this is a matter of life and death. They don't have food to eat. Right. The only food supply is with the mosque people. And we Christians could not go to the village because of the lockdown. And it was a very difficult situation. And uh, uh, some of these Christians had to
0: compromise on their faith. Abraham, have things like this happened in Bangladesh? Have there been attempts where local officials say, if you want relief for food, then you must come back to Islam? Has that kind of stuff happened? There are some cases.
4: Yeah, I heard that some people said that, okay, we can give you relief if you go back to your previous faith. There, but many believers, they denied They said, okay, if we don't have food, we'll not eat, but definitely we'll not go back to the previous faith. There are some cases.
0: How has regular persecution been affected during this time? I I mean, you've talked about government aid being denied during COVID, but what about just the day-to-day persecution that Christians have felt? Has that gotten better or worse as the lockdown has gone? Uh, It's uh, almost the same, uh, like before, but...
4: And now they are added one thing. Uh, yes. Some people, Muslim people, they're blaming Christian for this COVID-19. They said, oh, this, this is the curse for Christian.
0: What is your organization, supported by Open Doors, doing to help believers in this part of the world?
4: When the COVID-19 started and lockdown started in March, in the beginning, we are not able to help. But after that, we started to help uh When we got that news that believers are overlooked in different parts when government is distributing the relief goods, then we started to do and get the information from different groups, different churches. And then uh, finally, during COVID-19, for COVID-19, we were able to distribute food uh, for 1,100 families. Uh, if you say individual beneficiaries it would be 4000 4000 individual beneficiaries We were able to distribute food uh, for them
3: at present we have supplied food to more than 4000 families in all these countries for at least three or four times during this past four months and uh, we have been we have been continuously doing this and we will continue to do till Uh, People are able to get a job or people are able to make a living on their own. But uh, there are some difficult situations like in Bangladesh, COVID-19 is one calamity we had. To add to that was a cyclone Amphan, which happened three weeks ago, which wiped out thousands of homes. And uh, just for Christians alone, there are more than 1,200 families who lost their home and their livelihood because of the cyclone amphan so it's a double tragedy i would say which they had to go
0: through yeah you've mentioned lots of lots of struggles you've mentioned christians who haven't been able to get aid you've mentioned a cyclone uh, in bangladesh you've mentioned the hardship of not being able to social distance in all of these situations are there any places of hope where you've seen god work in a way that has made you just amazed
3: oh yes in spite of all these things, I, I can tell you many stories. One of the stories I would like to tell you is what happened in Sri Lanka recently, just last month or about three weeks ago. And uh, we we supplied food for a community of about 100 Christians. Out of the 100 Christian families, about 40 of them are widows uh, because of the previous uh, civil war. They lost their husbands. So we really felt that we should support these families because they were all daily wage earners. And the very interesting thing is about four months ago, in the month of November 2019, this church was attacked by Buddhist extremists. And about seven of the members were beaten up so badly, including the pastor and his wife, were beaten up for meeting in their, in their uh, villages for Christian fellowship. And they were asked to close down the church. But then after the police intervention, the church was allowed to operate under some restriction. This happened just in the month of November 2019. So when we supplied the food for these 100 families, and the pastor and the families, the members, they decided that they will split the food with the people who persecuted them, who beat them up. So they called all the villagers, including those who beat them up, and they shared all the food with all of them, including the non-Christians. That really brought tears in the eyes of some of the people who really persecuted these uh, believers. And they, some of them even apologized to them for doing wrong things. And that's, that's a very impactful thing because that's what we want to be. We want to be salt and light in the community. And they were able to be salt and light in the community during these difficult times. So God is using different opportunities even to help others through this pandemic.
0: Well, how can supporters of Open Doors here in the US, how can can we help?
3: There are many ways we can really help. One of the thing is um, pray for this uh, situation, especially the believers in the rural areas, in all these countries, who are really going through some very, very difficult times that god will really open doors for them one of the things we have been doing is we have we have sort of committed to supply food for these persecuted christians at least those who are connected with us for the next 3 to 6 months so that they will not go starving but at least they'll be able to survive so we we have been supplying food for a family of about 5 to 6 people uh, 50 us dollar can provide food for them for one month That's the way we have been doing and supplying food for them. The second thing we can do is we are also thinking of income-generating projects for those who have lost their jobs, how we can help them to stand strong during this economical crisis, whether it's through opening up a small industry for them or a shop or farmers, some of the farmers who have lost their crop. Maybe we can give them some seed money so that they can replant their uh, crops back again. So these are some of the things we have been thinking of.
0: And you mentioned one request, but what are some specific ways that we can pray for persecuted Christians in Southeast Asia?
3: Specifically, I think you need to pray that uh, these people will stand strong during this pandemic time. One of the things is if they are not strong in their faith, if some of the religious leaders or some of the religious groups come and give them food and aid or jobs, they might go back in their faith. That's one of the challenges we have been seeing, especially with the Muslim background believers. They seem to be uh, wayward in their faith. I can fully understand their thing. It's a matter of life and death for them. Where they get food, they want to go towards that but at the same time, pray that their faith will be strong. But we are also seeing a lot of people who are really standing strong in their faith during these difficult times.
0: Sam and Abraham, thank you so much for taking the time to talk today. We will be praying for your work in Asia and Bangladesh specifically.
4: Thank you. Thank you so much, brother. Yep. Thank you.
0: If you'd like to learn more about Sam and Abraham's ministry and what Open Doors is doing in Asia and around the world, please visit opendoorsusa.org and you can check out the stories tab where you can see everything that we're doing around the world to help persecuted Christians stand strong for the Lord. Uh, So that was my conversation with Abraham and Sam. I was really struck by their stories, especially of just hearing, hearing Christians told you are not allowed to get aid because you are a Christian. Uh, Julia, have you heard of other stories like that? I, I know you keep up with our news and coming from the field. Where where else have you heard those kind of stories from?
1: Those stories are throughout uh, throughout the, the countries that we work in, uh, Christopher. But w- one of the stories that um, we highlighted recently came from Vietnam, northern Vietnam. And um, while it may sound sometimes like our, our, they're working to deliver these food kits and, and getting them to to our, um, our persecuted brothers and sisters is, is easy. It's, it's really not. And this story uh, shows us that it, that it isn't. I'll, I'll just quickly share it real quick. We got reports that 107 people, that's 27 Christian families have been denied uh, COVID-19 uh, government aid because of their faith. So picture this, these families are uh, starving and they Uh, get word that the government aid um, is coming to the village uh, where they live. And our partner said that they were so excited to hear that this aid was coming and they walked up to get their aid. And they were told by the authorities who were passing out these resources, you're not on the list. And they they were said, your God will take care of you. And I just can't even imagine what they would, that would feel like. But thankfully, when our partners heard about this, they arranged to discreetly deliver food and supplies to these families. Right as they started the distribution, just 15 minutes after they started, um, the local authorities of the village, including the tribal leader, showed up and said, no, you're not going to do this. And they actually ordered them to leave the village immediately. And the persistence, though, of our partners just uh, blows me away. Sometimes, thankfully, they they didn't give up. They took these, these sacks of rice that these families so desperately needed to a different village, and a believer there willingly agreed to open up their home uh, for the um, for to have the distribution there. And they told the family representatives uh, to come to that home and. Through that, through all of that, these families walked away. Um, Each household received 55 pounds of rice uh, to feed their families. And it's just one story of Christians being denied aid because they don't follow the majority religion or because they're not following um, the village um, tribal customs. We have multiple reports of this happening. But it just shows us, really, Christopher, That the convergence of persecution and and COVID-19 and how the virus and the quarantines are really crystallizing persecution of our brothers and sisters.
0: Yeah. David, I want to come back to something you mentioned earlier before the interview. Uh, You mentioned that Open Doors is not an aid organization. So what would you say to someone who might ask if Open Doors is in an aid organization and, you know, you got your start with Brother Andrew smuggling Bibles in, why is it that you are concentrating so hard on food? Why aren't you, you know, why aren't you sticking just to Bible delivery or discipleship materials? Uh, why why are we bringing food to, you know, like you said, 100,000 believers in, in Asia?
2: Well, first of all, no matter what, region of the world you're talking about, our calling, and have, this is our calling, it's been the same for 65 years. It's been to strengthen what remains. It's from the, a scripture that refers to that. So we're, our job is to help strengthen the church. What our core gift is, however, and it's, it's terribly important in this time and in this age, is how do you get assistance? How do you stand with people in difficult regions? And that core skill, the ability to get food, to get Bibles, to get access to people who are isolated is so important. If you were all alone in a difficult place, you just feel so alone in your struggle. And yet we have the ability and the skill and the calling to go there. Now, when it comes to why food, the answer is it's because that's what the church needs. When the church needs Bibles, we step up. When they need comfort, we want to be there. When they need training, we want to be there. We have to strengthen what remains in these areas because, while sometimes under persecution, churches will grow and the underground church will grow. Sometimes it, in isolation, under pressure, can shrink and shrivel and is on the verge of death. And we have to step up. So for me, it's not about whether it's food or not. It's it's not for me to decide. It's what does the church need? And right now, this is the need. This is the need. These people, for their faith, are being isolated, cut off from food and supplies in a village setting because of cultures or governments, whatever the context. This is what they need, and we step up.
0: Yeah, and I, I would encourage you listening that if you are curious about some of the other stories or want to see how you can help Open Doors in its mission to strengthen what remains, visit our website at opendoorsusa.org. And there are plenty of ways to help, as well as a lot of ways to hear prayer requests and to make sure that you are standing in solidarity with your persecuted sisters and brothers. Uh, speaking of prayer, I do want to leave a little bit of time at the end here for uh, prayer requests just to make sure that that you know, we're giving the most important thing we can give uh, to our sisters and brothers, and that's prayer, of course. So, uh, Julia, are there any prayer requests uh, from the field that you'd like to share that we can pray through?
1: We have to always remember our North Korean brothers and sisters because while they, um, so far the country has yet to say that there has been even a case of um, coronavirus, um, we we know differently. Uh, there have been too many reports uh, from the UN, um, from our um, from our partners, um, that we know differently. There, something else is happening. Um, that North Koreans are starving, um, and that there is um, a crisis going on. So, I just want us to pray for um, this crisis, this uh, this underlying crisis that's happening um, in this isolated country. Um, we hear that. There are very few defectors. People can't move um, outside of Korea, any, escape Korea anymore. Um, you know, There's so many things that we continue to hear about how coronavirus is affecting North Korea. Um, so we just want to continue to remember them, even though we don't have these kinds of stories like roses. Um, we definitely know that our brothers and sisters there are suffering.
0: David, what about you? Are there any prayer requests that have jumped out to you over the last few weeks? I'm very
2: concerned about northern Nigeria. Rose is is part of that story, but it's a big story. And with all the other competing noise in the news cycles about elections and everything else, I'm just fearful and would hope that people will pray for northern Nigeria, for really that middle band of the Africa continent that is facing both massive growth in persecution and now COVID. They, they're getting it hard a little later than we did, but you're really having some some challenges there. And I just pray, I, I really want our hearts to be turned towards Africa.
0: Yeah, I think the thing that I've really been uh, praying through is we got a report out of Iran the other day, and that's a place where coronavirus arrived pretty early and hit really hard. And it's interesting to hear some of the, you know, we've, we've gotten, we've been able to get some uh, messages out from secret believers in Iran uh, through partners in the region. And we we just heard, they they reported that there's an increase in this practice of temporary marriage in which women are given money by men to basically become temporary brides for a brief time. And it's apparently okay from the religious leaders in Iran. So we've seen that happening. And there's a There's a sense of hopelessness and fatigue that even is impacting the church that, you know, we we hear reports about uh, believers who are just having a hard time feeling like they have the strength to reach out to people in need. And, you know, that's something I feel here is, you know, as this drags on, when is it going to end? And just feeling tired and asking God to really give us a sense of mission and purpose. But something that then encouraged me is that, you know, also in Iran, another pastor Uh, wrote to a partner outside of Iran and said, many non-believing family members of Christians have changed their views toward the church during the pandemic. They were amazed to see how the church was taking care of the needy. And to me, that really represents kind of those two sides of, you know, why we do what we do is, you know, the church is fatigued and we want to be there to strengthen because we know that when the church is strong and is able to do what the church does, then people hear and see the face of Jesus and are drawn to Him like never before. So that's right. right. So I, yeah, that just struck me, and I, oh. you know, I think we can keep praying for places like Iran, where you know Christians have been battling through the same coronavirus. A lot of us have, and they're trying their hardest to make sure that they're a light even in a
1: very dark place. And that's that's in Iran and in Africa and North Korea. It's it's throughout. Our brothers and sisters really want to be lights.
0: Well, thank you so much. Uh, David, would you mind closing us in prayer before we end this episode? Absolutely. Heavenly
2: Father, for all those listening, will you soften our hearts, Lord? There's so much going on. You prompt us. How are you calling us? How are you calling us to pray? What are you helping us to sense? How are you moving, Lord? We pray for North Korea, for the believers there, for, for Nigeria. And, and across that band in the middle of Africa where people are persecuted and in Iran as well, Lord. All of these have the complicating factor of COVID-19. God, will you will you be present with them where it seems so hopeless? Will you lift them up? We pray for Rose, all alone, maybe in a worldly sense, lost her husband, under pressure, hard to get food. We pray a blessing on her today, Lord. In Jesus' precious
0: name, amen. Amen.
1: Thank you, David.
0: Yeah, David, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you both. It's going to be a great, great thing you're doing. I appreciate it. All right. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you subscribe and rate us on your favorite podcast application. And if you have any questions, you can always email podcast at odusa.org and we will try to get back to you. Uh, For now, until next time, I am Christopher Summers. And I'm Julia Warren. And we will see you next time to connect you with your persecuted family because we are all one church and one family. Thanks.